It's Friday, February 5th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynes, uh, the Indians uh, made Chris Antonetti available uh, to the media yesterday, and he talked uh, at length about the Mickey Calloway situation and Major League Baseball obviously conducting an ongoing investigation now uh, into the harassment claims against Calloway. Uh, some of which uh, apparently occurred during his time with the Indians. Uh, it was characterized in the story by the on the Athletic as you know baseball's worst kept secret that that Callaway uh, behaved in this manner towards uh, female reporters and and women around the organization. Uh, what was your reaction to Chris Antonetti and and the way he handled? Uh, the the Indian side of things uh, and and just basically coming out and saying that while this was going on in Cleveland, the Indians and the organization had no knowledge of it. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, there were, this was an effort to put their best foot forward, obviously. I thought they had to do this. They had to, you know, try, try to answer this. And that question that you said, Joe, the worst kept secret in, in baseball from the story in The Athletic, uh, you know, he had to answer that question too. How did they miss this? How, how could they not have known this? And uh, I thought Chris Antonetti came up and uh, what said they're putting together an internal, an internal group to, uh, to study this, to open more channels, to try and be more inclusive and offer a, a uh, safer environment to uh, women reporters and I would imagine the women employees their own employees and, and you know an inclusive uh, you know an inclusive kind of bubble so they feel safe reporting something like this I uh, you know Chris Antonetti we we've, we've worked with him for years we've we've you know interacted with him talked to him he has a, a level of trust not just in in Cleveland with the fans uh, with, with what he's able to do and sort of putting the team together, but also w with us and in, in, in dealing with us uh, in the media, pretty much upfront, you know, straightforward. Uh, do you buy what he was, what he was saying yesterday is, is it possible that this organization didn't know that Mickey Calloway uh, was, was behaving in this way or, you know, that, that nothing had, had come up the chain of command and, and higher ups hadn't heard about this. Or, or is this just, you know, basically Chris just trying to, to maneuver through this in order to come out the other end with, with, with the ball club looking as, as best as it can? You know, I believe him, Joe. I really do. I've dealt with him a long time. Uh, I think he's a straight shooter. I mean, and, and in this situation, I think there's, there's kind of shades of gray here. You know, I think, uh, you know, from, you know, the research we've done on this, um, you know, I think perhaps Mickey uh, Callaway was having affairs, consensual affairs while, while he was in Cleveland. But, you know, that, that's a, that's a, a different kind of a different, you know, a different bucket than uh, harassment. And while, you know, there may have been rumors about the affairs he had, uh, there was, I, I believe they, they didn't know that he was, you know, harassing women. I, I, I you know, at least that's, from, from the people I've talked to, that's, that's what I found out. But, you know, again, um, you know, I don't think it was a very, I don't know how hard you look at this, you know, and, um, 
know, I, I just think um, it, it's a tough, tough uh, situation. I think the Indians are trying their best to get in front of it or, well, they can't get in front of it anymore, but I think they're doing damage control the best they can. Um, and it's, you know, I, you know, I think um, they, they're it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what to say about it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when, when it's issues like this, that, it, you know, it's related to the baseball team, but has nothing to do with baseball. This is nothing that, that any of us want to talk about or deal with or write or, or, you know, even have to cover, but it, it's important right now, I, I think. And, and Chris, you could tell that, that he was pained by this. I, I, you know, watching him on that zoom call, he, he took it very seriously and he wanted to afford as much time and as much opportunity for people to ask questions about it uh, as he could last night. He, he, uh, you could tell that he really takes this whole situation to heart. And he talked about himself uh, being in a position of leadership and, and how the, this really sort of, you know, got at him. He, he talked about his, his daughters and wanting them to, to grow up in a, in a situation where, you know, not just, uh, that they can feel, you know, safe doing a job or anything like that, but but one where there's equity uh, involved. You know, uh, a, a female reporter uh, can can be treated not just the same, you know, have the same opportunities, not just uh, you know, not feel harassed, which is uh, I think an, an obvious thing. It's it's something that can't be tolerated in the workplace, and and anybody within the organization uh, I think should should be of that same mindset. Uh, I, I, they got into the, the situation where it's like, you know, how did none of the other coaches hear about it or say it, see it or, or report it or anything like that. And, and I guess, you know, there were national reporters on the call who, you know, were, were sort of maybe even angling it to sort of target Tito uh, with this, you know, how could Terry Francona not know about something like this? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't buy their, their attempts to sort of, uh, you know, maybe throw Tito under the bus there. What, what was your take on that? Yeah, that was, um, you know, I, you know, I think in the end, you're responsible for your own actions. And, uh, I think, um, you know, Mickey Calloway, um, you know, it, what, whatever he was doing, you know, when you're texting somebody or sending inappropriate uh, pictures of yourself, I don't think you have a crowd looking over your shoulder when you're doing that. Um, now, if, if he was, you know, you know, rubbing a, a report, a woman reporter's shoulders in the locker room or, or you saw him, you know, going down the tunnel, that's something, you know, if you probably uh, might report. And I think, you know, in that regard, the, you know, Antonetti said, you know, we want people not only who are being like victimized here, but observers too. I mean, they have a responsibility to report something like this as well. And uh, let's just hope that they get this ironed out, you know, and, and, you know, women reporters feel safe, you know, working with the Indians and covering the Indians uh, because, you know, it's, they should, this is, there's no excuse for this. Right. Uh, moving forward, I, I think we're going to see some changes in that regard in terms of the way things are, are posted and, and the, the options for people to report things like that. And, and, and we too, we have to, it, the guys in the press box, when we see it, we have to sort of get together and, and be advocates for 
our colleagues in that way as well. And I think that that's going to happen, uh, you know, moving forward. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly, either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things and then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208-4346. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian subtext. Obviously, there was not just uh, the harassment and uh, allegations against Callaway that was was on Chris Antonetti's mind. Uh, there are a lot of other issues that that were were brought up in that uh, press availability. He talked about, uh, you know, being worried about starting the season on time and and the the league being able to to get spring training going and and getting the season going uh, on that April first start date. Uh, he, he seemed pretty nervous about that. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, with they're going to Arizona. The uh, pitchers and catchers are scheduled to report February 17th in uh, Goodyear, Arizona. Arizona is one of the, uh, you know, hotbeds of co- uh, COVID uh, infection infection rate. And, uh, you know, they're, it, it, it's really going to be a difficult situation. Um, you know, the, the Indians did such a good job last season during the 60 game sprint and all the protocols and the spring training uh, to uh, leading up to it. Uh, you know, they really didn't miss a game. Uh, I know what uh, maybe a Delano DeShields was the only guy that really contracted the virus. And he had it, you know, when he got it in Arizona and came right. to spring, you know, came to camp. So he was isolated before he came to Cleveland for spring training too. So I think it's, you know, just from talking to Terry Francona, and I, from the impression we got from um, uh, Antonetti yesterday, it's going to be a much more difficult challenge getting through these five or six weeks of spring training, uh, getting through the Cactus League schedule. Um, and, you know, they, I think there's a lot of, uh, lot of unknowns still. You know, they still don't know how many players they can have in the, uh, in the, um, in the facility. Um, they, maybe they have that 60-player pool Joe that they, they had last year and that's it. Uh, the minor leaguers, you know, double A and single A guys won't be able to come in until, you know, the triple A and uh, the Indians break camp at the end of uh, March. So, you know, that, that's another, really another, uh, 
know, another bone of contention that we won't have, we, we're going to have to face down the road. Right. And Antonetti did mention, he said, uh, you know, he doesn't know when players are going to get vaccinated. Uh, players getting vaccinated would, would really ostensibly, you know, take away a lot of the concerns about getting through the season. But uh, as of right now, he said, there are no plans. There's nothing in place for players to get the vaccine ahead of anybody else. Uh, the quote from Antonetti was, we're, we're going to wait our turn in line, uh, as they should, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, players aren't going to be jumping to the front just so they, they can get through a baseball season. Uh, so don't expect the Indians to be maybe fully vaccinated until sometime this summer, maybe, in, you know, as late as June or July. Yeah, and all those guys are young, healthy guys, you know, if you're going by age, you know, so they're going to be in, at, so, at the end of the line. So the pecking order goes, <laughs> me, coins, me first. and then coins, <laughs> and, everybody and then, else. Uh, you know, maybe me a few weeks later, and then Shane Beaver, right? Is that, that's how <laughs> that's it goes? That's right. <laughs> oh, geez. We got we to gotta figure out a way to get you a vaccine for sooner than that. I, I, you need to be at the press box. Uh <laughs> So uh, speaking of players, uh, we did get uh, a, a little bit of insight maybe from uh, Chris Antonetti about first base. He was asked about what the, uh, what the mix looks like there. And the first name out of his mouth uh, in, when he talked about the young players who will get uh, you know, a, a chance and guys who are going to get a look, um, I, I think uh, it, Jake Bowers was the first one he mentioned. So is there a potential for Jake Bowers to be the guy who, who gets that first nod? Yeah, hopefully, you know, you would think, uh, you know, Bowers has got, they've got to do something with Bowers. I think this is a, you know, kind of a pivotal season for him, Joe. I think we both talked about, about that. He's out of options. Uh, you know, you've got a crowded outfield, so I don't know how much he's going to play out there. You know, his best shot probably is first base. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's a good defender over there. But this is a guy that didn't play at all last year. You know, he didn't even get a look, a sniff in the 60-game sprint. You know, he was down in the, uh, you know, the alternative training site um, with Bobby Bradley. And Bobby Bradley's his, uh, it sounds like his main competition. Mm -hmm. And uh, Josh Naylor, if, uh, you know, he doesn't, doesn't win a job in the outfield. Right. And, and that's sort of, that's sort of where bringing in Eddie Rosario uh, sort of complicates things, I guess. You've got Eddie Rosario, who you're expecting, if you're paying Eddie Rosario $8 million, he's playing every day. And, and this is something that Terry Francona said he, he wants to see. You know, Eddie Rosario is going to play pretty much every day. Uh, whether that's in left field or right field, I guess right now is still up in the air. So, uh, you know, if, if Josh Naylor maybe necessarily can only play left field, then, then Rosario plays right. You know, what's the difference there? But that takes him out of the mix of, uh, of maybe first base. Again, the, the problem there is all of those bats are all left-handed bats right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking too, Joe. You've got three lefties with Bradley, you know, uh, Naylor and, and uh, uh, Bowers. Um, and, uh, you know, where do you fit them? The one thing, um, Bradley's got an option left. Bowers is out of options. Um, and uh, Naylor has, has options left. So, you know, you can – you know, we can juggle that, you know, you can, you can get out of that by sending somebody down, but uh, you know, they really have to find out about Bowers this year, I think. And, and he's going to have to swing the bat. He's got to, well, he's got to swing the bat. Joe. Well, well with Bradley having that option, you know, maybe 
you open the season with Bowers at first base, and if he sticks, he sticks. And if he doesn't, you give him that chance. And then at some point, you bring Bradley up. You you, you have to give Bradley a chance too. Yeah. There's there's no way that the entire season is going to be one guy getting the, the the full look. I think if if Bowers hits his way and, and, and stays, then then maybe he can also help in the outfield. But but at some point, Bradley's got to come up. Yeah, with uh, you know, with first base, it's Bradley and Bowers. It's their last chance saloon. I think you know we've got to we've got to see with Bowers and Bradley. You know, you know Bradley's. Eventually, they have to give him a shot too, don't right. they? I mean, you know, Bowers has got got his chances. He's got more than enough chances, but we haven't seen Bradley. So you know, if if you're going to give this kid a chance, this is you know this is a kind of a perfect opportunity. Bradley has proven all that he can prove in the minor leagues. There's, there is no more that he can learn by, you know, staying at AAA. He's, he's put up the numbers that, that say he gets a shot in the, in the majors. I, I, I just don't think it's going to be right away just because of that option though. Um, and it, it was funny, funny to hear uh, an exchange between uh, Antonetti and one of the reporters asked, uh, you know, who the, the starting shortstop was going to be the opening, the opening day shortstop. Oh, yeah. And, and Antonetti said something along the lines of uh, Jose Ramirez will be our opening day shortstop. As far as I know right now. And it was, it was, he was pre-programmed to, to say that yeah. from uh, Francisco Lindor. He'd been repeating that line so many times. He just, you know, put the wrong infielder in there at, uh, at third base. I, I think it was a, it was a, a funny little mistake that he made, but, uh, Jose Ramirez. He was asked about it when when the the idea of Jose Ramirez being traded w- was brought up. Uh, what he meant to say was that Jose Ramirez will be the opening day third baseman, as far as he knows. Yeah, right. And uh, and this that was a line he's used for four or five years with Lindor. You know, the last two or three years actually. And uh, you know, I keep Joe. I keep hearing this annoying rumor that. Uh, you know, that they're going to trade Ramirez. Will they trade Ramirez? You know, guys have written, you know, writers from Atlanta and, and uh, Milwaukee have texted me asking them if it's true. So uh, I don't think that's true. They're, they're, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but Jose Ramirez is going to be here for at least 2021. Right. I, I, it's, every time I hear that same rumor, my, my, my response is the same. Absolutely, he'll be here through the end of 2021 unless things go way south early. Uh, and after 2021 ends, uh, this time next year, the Jose Ramirez trade, uh, trade rumor mill will be churning at full speed, I, I think. So, uh, you know, I guess enjoy him might be the, uh, can be shifted over to Ramirez now. Uh, so he also mentioned, Antonetti also mentioned, uh, Fran Reyes and his, I guess, pursuit of becoming more than just a designated hitter and uh, the op- the opportunity for him to play in the outfield, if that's possible. Uh, he, he, obviously, Terry Francona might not be a fan of putting Framil Reyes in the outfield or on the infield at first base or wherever he wants to play. Uh, do you see Framil doing anything but, uh, you know, playing DH in, in Cleveland? No, judging by the last two years, no, Joe, I don't. I mean, maybe, you know, in an early game somewhere, you know, if, if they want to stick an extra bat in the lineup and, uh, you know, they, they've been struggling offensively, they put uh, Reyes in right field and uh, DH, you know, DH, uh, you know, Naylor or, or bring, you know, maybe 
Ahmad Rosario, if he's still here or wh whatever, you know, they get an extra hitter in there. But you know, as far as not 99.9% .9 of the season, I think he's Reyes is the DH. Uh, I spoke to Heath Hembry, one of the uh, new, I guess, uh, major league, uh, minor league invitees to uh, spring training. Uh, he spent uh, the first, what, five, six, seven years of his career with the Red Sox last year, split time between the Red Sox and uh, Phillies uh, had a bit of an elbow issue towards the end of the season that, that really sort of hampered him, but he says he's hundred percent healthy. Uh, and really the, one of the big reasons that he decided to sign uh, the minor league deal with Cleveland was Carl Willis, who he worked with for about two and a half years in Boston. Um, you know, early on in his career, he had a good relationship, good rapport with Willis. Uh, so that helped the Indians land uh, a guy who, you know, it's, it's one of those show me deals with a, a big upside. If they can get, you know, 2018 Heath Hembry uh, out there, uh, you know, a big guy, six, three, six, four, uh, primary fastball throws his off speed off of that. Uh, this is a guy who might be able to help in the bullpen. Definitely Joe. Definitely. Uh, you know, they got Brian Shaw in on the same kind of deal. Um, you know, and as we said, uh, you know, this, this could be a kind of deal that, that, you know, really works out well for them. You know, they had, uh, they've done this before they've done this with, uh, Scott Atchison, They've done it with Scott Casimir, guys like that. Casimir obviously turned into a starter, but they've, they've had success doing this. Jeff Manship, you know, got, what did he throw? 30 <laughs> scoreless innings, whatever that was, you uh -huh. know, at a scoreless streak a whole season long. So they've done this before. They're, they're good at this. They're good at scouting the guys, the borderline guys, kind of laying in the weeds, coming off an injury, coming off a bad run. And uh, but our veteran guys. So I think, you know, I think there, there might be a shot that both those guys make the club because Joe, you know, with that, they need some, they need some people in the middle of that lot in that bullpen. Right. Right. Yeah. The, uh, with the roster expanding too, you, you don't know how, how the bullpen is going to be composed really. So uh, there could be room for both Shaw and Hembry in that, that, uh, that bullpen mix. Uh, another name that, that popped up and uh, back with the organization is Mike Freeman who signed a, a minor league deal and he's coming back. What does that mean for somebody like uh, Ahmed Rosario or even Yu Chang, who you, you would think would be guys that, that are in line for a utility role of, of some sort on the infield, uh, it, it, unless Rosario's the starting shortstop. But Freeman, that, that, that's his role. His, he's the Swiss Army knife, really, for, for Terry Francona. And, and Tito really likes what Freeman does in his approach to the game. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting, Joe. We're going to be able to see exactly what kind of plans the Indians have for this season. If they keep Freeman, that means they think they've got a chance to win. You know, I think that, or I mean, they've, they've got a veteran guy there that, that does everything that, that is, that they, they, they know they can trust, but if they go with a guy like Jimenez or, or, or maybe Chang, maybe they're, they're looking to develop guys while still trying to compete you know, so I think that's that that's kind of that, that's going to be an interesting uh, litmus test for this club, right? And you know, Freeman can play; he can play in the outfield, he can play first base, he can play uh, the other three positions on the infield. But he's a left-handed bat, and the Indians have so many left-handed bats right now that that really you would think Rosario and Chang would be guys that they would 
you know, maybe want to give a harder look at, at, at that utility spot just to have that extra, you know, flexibility if they ever come up against a tough lefty. Uh, you know, who knows how the, how the, the lineup is going to shake up. Uh, before we get going here, uh, mentioning uh, we're seeing talk, we're seeing rumors and, and discussion that the, the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes is coming to a close uh, possibly shortly here. Uh, Bauer in line to get about a three-year deal from the Mets, possibly in the $100 million range with what would be a, a single season all-time record of uh, what, $40 million uh, salary with, with plenty of opt-outs we're hearing. Uh, this is this is Trevor Bauer's time to shine. This is exactly what he's been angling for for the last six years, right, Hoinsey? Yeah, this is, you know, everybody, most everybody, all the big time free agents, almost all of them are off the board. So, you know, Trevor's got the uh, the, the spotlight to himself. Uh, he's, you know, he, he might sign a multi-year deal. It might be a three-year deal, but it could be also a one-year deal, you know, so he could stay true to his, himself of, uh, you know, only wanting to sign one-year deals if he opts out. And he probably gets a, a, a higher AAV than, than his buddy, Garrett Cole. So, you know, that's going to be, uh, I think that, that, that plays into this as well. That was, that's the only thing. The only <laughs> thing he wants is to make sure that he's getting more recognition and more clout than Garrett Cole at, at this point. So, all right, Hoinsey, we'll, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week on the uh, Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll be back with you on Monday, uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll see what the weekend uh, – who's your pick before we go? Who's your pick to, uh, for the Super Bowl? Big game. That's you going with Brady or you going with Mahomes? God, it's, it's hard to go against Brady, but I'm going with Mahomes. I'm going, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I, I, think, I think everybody wants to see uh, Mahomes take it, but uh, – uh, yeah, you can't bet against Brady. I think Brady's going to win. So, uh, my pick is the Bucks. Hoynes is going. How old is he? Forty-two, forty-three years old. I think he's forty-three. Jeez, I think he's forty-three. He's younger than me. He can really, he can throw the ball, man. He's younger than me, and he wishes he looks as good as I do. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, we'll uh, catch up with you again next week on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.